Welcome to the Bike Life Podcast by Warm Showers Foundation, where we will be sharing knowledge, experience, tools, and stories of touring cyclists and hosts from around the world. I'm Tavar Lee, the woman behind the scenes at Warm Showers Foundation, the leading platform for cyclists looking for hosts and to connect with a passionate international community. Find out more by visiting us at warmshowers.org. Although you may have found us on any of your favorite listening apps, make sure you download the Himalaya app and follow us there to stay informed of when new episodes air, and we will be offering special episodes and goodies on the Himalaya app only, and it's free, and it can be accessed from anywhere in the world, and it will allow you to curate your own favorite playlist. Now, let's start the show. This podcast is brought to you by bikeflights.com, a bicycle shipping service for cyclists. We all look forward to the time when we are able to resume welcoming fellow cyclists into our homes and shipping bikes for travel. In the meantime, bikeflights.com can help you ship your spare bikes, trainers, wheels, and gear to friends or family members so they can commute and exercise too while they are physical distancing. So stay home and arrange a pickup directly from your house. Visit bikeflights.com forward slash warm showers for more information. Thank you for joining us for another episode of the Bike Life Podcast, where we get to share your stories, our touring cyclists and hosts around the globe that talk about their experiences and their connection. And I'm super excited to have our guest with me today because he took six months off work to fulfill his father's wishes and spread his ashes around the globe. And he did it by bike, visiting 13 different countries and honoring his father's legacy along the way. So thank you for joining the show, Alex. Thank you. Pleasure to be here. Uh, when you first sent in your information for the show, I was I was really initially intrigued because I think the idea of honoring someone we love with their wishes is really special. And the fact that you and your, and this is your dad we're talking about that has passed, um, you and your dad already had this love of travel between the two of you, right? We did. Yeah, certainly. He uh, traveled a lot in his youth and... Uh, as an adult as well. And so we homeschooled in Thailand for a few years when I was around 12 years old. And so um, certainly got the travel bug from my dad and I still, I'm still infected with that bug. Yeah. Uh, Did you guys used to do bike touring trips together? You know, we did some in Quebec, nothing uh, too lengthy. That was certainly my passion and, and something I've continued to do since he passed and since the the big trip, but, um, you know, it was a lot about sailing with my dad and we had some amazing memories in South Thailand and, uh, taking two week trips, uh, down that West coast of Thailand. So, uh, beautiful country to see by the water. That's uh, certainly a memory I'll never forget. Mm, that's amazing. And how, how long did you end up living in Thailand? So we were there, uh, I think just under two years. So two full school years, um, homeschool, we brought all the textbooks from, from Canada and my dad would do about three hours in the morning with us and then uh, he worked at the resort and managed there and we had the whole afternoon off so as far as uh, my sister and I were concerned it was a beautiful combination of a little bit of uh, homework in the morning and then playing in the pool all afternoon. I mean that sounds pretty amazing. It was yeah and I think I think my parents were a little hesitant wondering how we would do when we came back but um, we were both ahead of our classes when we returned and I think a little bit of is due to my dad, and he was certainly an academic, but uh, 
you know, when you take away all the recesses and lunch breaks and assemblies, uh, and you just go straight to the work, you can get it done in three hours and, uh, and still make sure that you're following curriculum. Mm. So it sounds like you had a really close connection with your father. I certainly did. Yeah, absolutely. He's, uh, he was an amazing man and, and, uh, certainly represented the French side of my family in Quebec. And, um, yeah, lots of family there, cousins, aunts and uncles, my grandma's still there. And, uh, and so it's, yeah, when he was on his last days, it was something we spoke a lot about was uh, how he wanted his ashes spread. And, and that was where the journey began. Do you mind talking a little bit about um, about the time leading up to your father's passing in terms of like, how did this conversation come about? Because I think that one thing in the time that we're all facing in the world, because although I don't know when this is going to come out, but this is May of 2020. Um, whenever you're listening to this, this is a pertinent point, which is we don't often talk about our wishes with our loved ones. We don't talk about what happens after we die. And I think that living in the times we're living, this is a definitely a more prevalent conversation. And in your case, you guys had that conversation beforehand. Can you share a little bit about that? Yeah, absolutely. My dad had a long fight with cancer. It was uh, about eight years from beginning to end. Uh, he had a couple of tumors that kept returning in his brain and um, had surgeries. And eventually uh, the risk of flying was too great. And so, um, you know, his time of traveling came to an end. And um, I think he, he really missed it. And so we would talk a lot about his trips and our time in Thailand together. And um, I'm not sure if he approach the subject first or maybe I did but um, you know we, we came to uh, cremation as, as you do at the end of life um, you know versus being in a cemetery he was very very clear he wanted to be cremated and and so I think we started to talk about some of his favorite places in the world and um, you know having the memories he did there and then obviously the ones we shared in Thailand it just kind of naturally came to a well, you know, if we talk about a resting place and where our, our ashes will be spread and, you know, where our soul will maybe live on forever. And he, he was clear in the, in the spots that, that he wanted and, and was very specific about it, actually. So um, those spots were in Quebec on the lake where he was. Um, we have a spot here in BC on the lake as well. Uh, his partner was Mexican, and so there was a beautiful spot down on the coast there. Um we go to Switzerland, where he was uh, in boarding school as a youth. Uh, we went down to Mauritius, where he also spent a couple of years. And uh, actually, we were planning to go to Ghana as well. It's uh, ironic now that we're dealing with the pandemic. Uh, Ebola erupted on my trip, and um, you know, messages were flooding in about not, not getting to Ghana. So I ended up skipping that and going to India, where he actually... Um, himself traveled after Mauritius, so in a kind of nice twist of fate, it, uh, it all aligned for us there. Um, and then I continued on to Thailand and, and finished the journey before returning to Canada. Mm, that sounds amazing. And thank you for sharing, because I know that this is, you know, obviously uh, very personal to you, but I think the story behind what inspired you to take, I mean, six months is a long time to take off work um, at your age. And not that I'm speaking for your age, um, you can share your age or not. But I think at any time in life when you're not retired, taking time off of work to to do a trip like this in, in someone's um, honor is really quite spectacular. Yeah, you know, um, I shared with you I'm in event planning. And so logistics is a big part of my job. But uh, I t- 
tell you, there was no no preparing for a 13-country, six-month trip. I mean, the logistics involved there with a the bike and the gear. Um, it took me probably eight to ten months to get ready before leaving. And luckily, I had a supportive employer, and I was able to take a leave of absence for the six months. And, um, you know, I, th- I think the trip for me was... Uh, it was about honoring my dad, but it was also one one last trip together, and that was the way I I really came to frame it up when I returned. And um, you know, he was with me. I figuratively, literally had the ashes with me on the bike, and and as I'm you know meeting his old friends in Mauritius and his old partner in Thailand, and meeting with the schoolmaster in Switzerland, and talking about uh, those time periods when he was there, it was it kept him alive with me, and so we. We shared that one last trip, and it was uh, it was just priceless for me to be able to do that and and to speak about him the whole time. You know, I think right. another thing I really learned about the, the way different cultures approach death and dying is is so drastically different from east to west. And um, you know, in Canada, we, we're a very polite, conservative country that way that we maybe don't talk about it enough, and so. You know, six months of talking about them all the time and with the people and the hosts I'd stay with in warm showers was it was just a really liberating, kind of probably therapeutic, as well as I look back, way to, to grieve, but also to, to honor him. And how did you feel when you came back? Was this a type of closure for you, or did you feel like it had transformed you in so many different ways that you hadn't expected. I guess I kind of already know the answer to that question because of the way that I asked it, but um, okay. So let me reframe the question. So I know that you were transformed at the end of that journey. You weren't just closing a chapter, right? You weren't ending a a grief cycle. You came back a transformed person. Mm -hmm. Um, Let's talk a little bit about that. What were some of the most surprising changes to you on this journey that you went on? I mean, I think I, I grew and matured as a person more than anything. Uh, when you share something like that, as vulnerable as that, that subject can be, um, you know, you're forever enriched by those conversations you have with the people on your trip along the way, uh, you know, be it the hosts or, um, you know, just people that stop you in the street in the back country roads of Thailand and they want to know who you are and where you're going, where you're from, which are the classic questions you hear in those countries. and. Uh, it was, I think it was humbling in, in one sense, but also really uh, a growing time for me because when you travel, and then I certainly think warm showers is a huge, um, a huge catalyst for, for growth in terms of learning how other cultures approach these, these topics. It, it just shows you that the way that you were raised in one country is not the only way, uh, and it may not be the best way. Um, and that there are certainly other ways to approach death and dying. And um, I think those experiences really changed my perspectives on end of life and uh, and just how we treat that process of grieving. Uh, and I can only speak to here in Canada, but I could generalize maybe in the West, in North America, that um, we tend to kind of not speak of them after and, uh, you know, grieve, have the funeral and move on. And that's just not the case in other countries. Well, that's just not the case as a whole. Like, grief does not happen in in a complete cycle at the end of a funeral. I mean, it it stays with us for a long period of time. Um, And I know because I have definitely experienced loss in my lifetime. Most significantly, um, my brother passed from a brain tumor. I think I had mentioned this to you um, when we spoke beforehand, that my brother passed um, from a brain tumor, and he was under 50. And I 
you know, the I say that it was like a bomb that went off in my family because I had a 16-year-old nephew and um, a niece in her 20s who had just had a baby. And the, the grief process was just witnessing it from, kind of from the outside looking in was um, different for everybody. Um, but it, it definitely didn't happen in a week or two weeks or, you know, six months, right? It, it It's still today, I would say, has its healing process that goes on probably for the rest of our lives as we lose the people we love. Yeah, absolutely. And uh, one of the things that I found so fascinating about the trip and, and doing it by bike and staying with uh, hosts in other countries is um, as they read you know, through the profile and maybe my blog and learning about my trip, I stayed with people who later on that evening shared with me that they had recently lost a parent and that they had reached out, you know, and said, if you need a place to stay, come, come and, and be with me and, and we'll talk about loss and grieving a parent. And uh, it started to really shift from, you know, me looking to make requests on, on warm showers to getting messages and, and offers of place to stay because they, it resonated with them. Right? The trip mm-hmm. was something that they had gone through as well. And, um, you know, I, the first time it happened, I was shocked that they shared with me and that they had just lost a parent. And some were very fresh, and, and others maybe a few years had gone by. But there's that, um, that bond almost that you have with someone who has lost a parent. And, um, you know, I'm 37 now, and I was, oh, I guess I was 32 at the time. It was, um, you know, you're, you're pretty young to use a, lose a parent in your early 30s, I think. And so there's, there's definitely a, uh, a sharing of, of um, experience there with uh, with the host, and it really changed my trip from uh, really struggling to find places to, to having authors coming in and then, uh, being able to talk about my dad and then their parents as well. And ultimately, you know, it was a big hug by the end. And yeah, uh, amazing. Those, those people I will forever stay with me, and uh, I may never see them again. But uh, the memories for sure will last forever. Yeah. I think it's really interesting that you're talking about the shared connection because we, you know, we recognize at warm showers that we're not just providing reciprocal hospitality. You know, we are providing the opportunity to create a connection with someone who you might not otherwise have met. And honestly, that is my favorite part of working with this organization is hearing stories like that because this connection as human beings that live this lifetime, we're all we're all experiencing this at the same time, but so many of us stay in our little shell and our bubbles and do our day to day and forget that there's a whole big world of people out there and cultures that we haven't um, yet had the opportunity to experience. So, you know, that's, that's a special part. So tell me, like, did you start knowing about warm showers? Like when you started your trip, was that part of your plan or how did that, like, when did you start getting involved with warm showers? Yeah, I did actually. It was uh, it was a service I'd used before uh, in its infancy. It's, it was a much smaller uh, site and much simpler site then, and it's come a long way, which has been so great to see. And um, it was, yeah, it was it was a way to connect um, with uh, other cultures and 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 through this unique kind of parallel of, of being cyclists. And uh, and I thought that was such an interesting way to uh, to meet new people through the the quirky world of, of being on bikes and, and traveling by bike and we're a quirky bunch, right? It's not everybody <laughs> that will uh, live out of panniers and, uh, you know, pack, you'll pack a stove and some pasta and rice and, and then hit the roads. So you get to meet these people that are also, you know, they're active. Um, they like the outdoors. Uh, there's, um, you know, a little bit of ingenuity sometimes needed when you're uh, making repairs on the road, but uh, mm-hmm. 
warm showers was, was just a great way to, uh, to, to frame the trip up as well. You know, I'd, I had some destinations in mind, but uh, the route there was never really written in stone. And so I got, a got an accepted request. I would, uh, I would reroute and, and go see their city and, mm. and tour around that region. And that was, uh, that was great because they always give you the best tips, right? The local yeah. people to talk to it. You want to make sure that before you leave that host, you get them to spend 20 minutes giving you a few good bakeries and the best, uh, the best parks and then uh, the best yeah. route out of town. So that type of sharing is, um, is so valuable on the road when you're, when you're traveling by bike. Yeah, that's amazing. Um, and thank you for that. Cause we know that, you know, not everybody found warm showers before their trip. In fact, I think a lot of warm showers users find out about it from other touring cyclists, even on their trip. They'll be like, what? There's a what? How do I get on the what? Do what? Um, and we get a lot of new user requests for people that are currently on the road or, you know, hosts that'll just say, oh, I just bumped into, you know, a, a, another bicyclist and they told me that we could host. Like, how, how does this work? So I, I think that that's always interesting how people found out about us. Yeah, absolutely. Now, let's take a moment to learn a little bit more about today's episode being brought to you by BikeFlights.com, a bicycle shipping service for cyclists. You'll enjoy fast delivery, great prices, and excellent service with every shipment. Select your shipment's delivery speed to suit your schedule and tap into their group buying power to get great rates. Throughout the shipping process, their support team, made up of fellow cyclists, works directly with their carrier's exclusive global operational team so that your shipment will arrive on time. Join the more than 700,000 cyclists who have used bikeflights.com to ship their bikes, wheels, and gear with confidence since 2009 and see how easy it is to book, manage, and track your shipments. Visit bikeflights.com forward slash warm showers today to find out more information and to book your shipment. Now back to the show. Now, and one thing you and I talked about before, which I think is really important for us to talk about today, is how to create a profile that provides good information, um, especially if you are a cyclist requesting to stay at someone's home. And I know you have some really good ideas around that. Can we touch on that topic about what you think is most important to go on a profile? Absolutely. Um, so what was unique is I used warm showers as a traveler first uh, and being on the road. So um, it wasn't until I returned home to Canada that I started reviewing requests coming in that I saw the full circle of how it all works. But, uh, you know, I think everybody wants to know as much as they can about the person requesting to come stay with you at their home. And so, um, you know, my tips were always fill out every single field and, uh, and do it at length if, if you have the time, because the more you share, the more they understand who you are. Um, and so I was very complete in my answers. I certainly provided as many photos as I could that were relevant and, and just showed my, you know, my kits and my bike and what I was doing. And, and then I also, you know, I would link my, my blog on there because there's certainly a lot more content on the blog than mm-hmm. you can into a profile. But, you know, it's a click-through for them to go and learn a little bit about my trip. Um, and I found that as I, as I added more blog posts, I suppose, and there was more content about my journey, the, the easier or the more you know, approved requests I, I was starting to receive. Yeah, that makes sense. And obviously not everybody has a blog, but the point of what you're saying is is be thorough in ex- expressing who you are. Um, 
Yeah, we, we do, of course, have that on our website. We post that to every new user that creates a, a profile with us. And we talk, I feel like we talk about it all the time, um, but we only reach certain groups of people on certain platforms, right? Through our newsletters or through our social media. But I always think that it's interesting for other people to hear that perspective that it's not just us that says that. It's not just from an administrative point of view. It's not just for data collection or for communication. It is literally for the host that's going to let you into their home to know more about you, like to create that connection before they meet you in person yeah absolutely and I, I really feel like the photo is important um you know it's you get a lot from the text as well but i think there are a lot of people that will um take more about who you are from the photos even um you know and i had some silly things going on on my bike and you know i'm, I'm six foot five like what? give us oh, some examples okay. like so, what <laughs> i mean I'm a, i have a huge bike i'm six foot five um you know i had a beard I had uh, all sorts of crazy things hanging off my bike from, um, you know, pujas and, and ceremonial flowers in India. But one of the most interesting things I picked up was in the Netherlands was a stuffed animal tiger that I put on my back rack of my <laughs> bike. And um, there was a few reasons. One, because it was only one euro and I just, I couldn't help but uh, add another character to my journey. And uh, he made the blog a few times as well. But uh it was to show people behind me. Um, the first thing they probably saw was this, this stuffed tiger. Like, how big over. are we talking? I mean, it was about a foot by a foot. Like, it was a it was a good size stuffed That's animal. That's funny. Like, you probably saw it first before you saw my face. So it was something I put, you know, facing in reverse so that people behind me, maybe they gave me a little bit more room as they passed. <laughs> maybe they gave me a little honk. But it was... It was just something that I, I ended up putting on my photos on the, on the blog and on the warm showers profile just to, I don't know, soften the image of a big hairy guy coming down the road <laughs> on a bike. Who knows? Maybe it worked. I think it's hilarious. I think it says it says to people, um, no, I'm not a scary, crazy guy on a bike. I am mm-hmm. a scary, crazy guy on a bike that's also really like soft and squishy. So that's yeah. good. Yeah, yeah absolutely. <laughs> Interesting. Um, yeah, I love that. That's a good idea for that picture. And so... And so now let's talk about you being a host. Yeah, I actually really enjoy that as well. And uh, as I got back into Canada and got settled, I had an extra room. And so I hosted just uh, lovely people from uh, France. was, I think, probably my first couple that came through. Um, I hosted another gentleman who was on a round-the-world trip. uh, And he had put little flags on his bike frame. Um, Gosh, there was dozens by the time I, I got to host them. And... You know, those are really, really interesting people. I mean, you're on the road alone for quite some time. And, and I remember feeling this as well when you do end up connecting with someone at their home, but you, you feel like you're just talking so much because you're trying to get out all those, you know, social um, interactions that you don't get when you're alone on the bike. Oh, right. So yeah. everyone's really mm-hmm. friendly when you do get to meet someone. So um, hosting was just such a warm joy. It's uh it's it's a freeing and liberating thing to open your home and trust that uh, that person's going to bring you know wonderful culture and, and more stories of their own and and enrich your life. So I've never hesitated to do that, and uh, I always enjoy hosting through warm showers. So you referenced this your blog a couple times. So before we start getting close to the end, before I forget, tell people how they can find your blog, and I know that you have a YouTube channel as well. Yeah, absolutely. So. Uh, the blog is wanderingwoofer.blogspot.com. Um, it actually starts in Hawaii with some of my time there, and then obviously ends with the trip. Um, 
So that's where they can find some more information about uh, the journey and the different spots or spread my dad's ashes. And of course, a little bit about my dad as well. Um, and a lot about biking. There's definitely a lot of content in there about uh, bike touring and um, you know, some of the ups and downs that come along with journeys like that. Uh, and then you can find me on YouTube as well, just under Alex Bishontel. Um, so I've got uh, maybe a dozen photos that, or sorry, a dozen videos. I had a couple GoPros on me on my trip and mm. often caught a lot of content. And, you know, just some really beautiful moments in, uh, in India, you know, um, with some really small backcountry roads in the south where, uh, you know, kids are always riding up with their bikes trying to catch up and mm. trying to speak and converse with you. And um, just some really amazing moments of, around Mauritius, doing a tour of the island there, which was a very interesting place, a small little island off the south coast of South Africa, with a mix of India, but also Africa, and also Europeans, so really enjoyed that. Um, I've got one amazing video, it's a 10-minute uh, descent from uh, the top of Villas uh, Alon, which is where my dad went to school in Switzerland, and that was the most thrilling ride of my life. Uh, wow. It was about a thousand meters um, down, and the the landscape is just gorgeous. It's, it's a beautiful sunny day, and the Alps are there as I descend down to the lake and, you know, through vineyards. And anyway, for those of us who are on bikes, uh, earning those uh-huh. uphills is, uh, is what it's all about, so you can enjoy the downhills. So, yeah, if anyone's interested, there's, uh, there's some stories out there. Amazing. I'll put the I'll put the links to your blog and your YouTube channel in the show notes for people to to enjoy. And so, you know, my final question for you is because this has been a transformational journey for you, you know, what do you have to say to those that have not done longer journeys? You know, what what recommendations or thoughts do you have about that? I mean, I could go on for hours about traveling by bike. Mm-hmm. You know, what I think I, I came away with, what I realized is, you know, so often when we enter new countries as tourists, um, you know, we're, we are seen as the, the rich um, North American with the big fat wallet in their jeans. Right? I heard this from Ocos. You, know, you can tell the tourists because they got the camera on their neck and they got a bulge of wallet in their pocket. And, um, and that's, that's one way of traveling, and I've certainly done that. I'm not saying I travel by bike only, but when you travel by bike, you are no longer the rich white tourist coming into a small village town. You're now that big guy on a bike just loaded with bags with a line on the back and a beard that's months long. And the, the interactions and the way the local people greet you completely changes and they want to know who you are where you're going and where you're from and when you when you switch that backdrop of that initial conversation from just another tourist coming through town to to someone on a bike with a story you will you will elevate your experiences a hundredfold and i cannot speak enough on this topic that the the conversations and interactions are just so much more genuine. And um, it's just something I share with everyone traveling by bike. And, um, and the second one I would be is, uh, as everyone I'm sure enjoys while traveling, is eating the local cuisine is mm. always a highlight and has always been for me. Uh, and when you're biking, there is guilt-free 
all uh-huh. throughout your trip. And you can go into town and have three pizzas if you want because you burned the calories and you earned it. And, and so that was a big piece of traveling by bike for me was enjoying the local that's amazing, and I agree about the food. <laughs> uh, when, you, yeah. when you're burning those calories, you just you need to you need to be able to replenish, and also experiencing things at a local cultural level. Um, you know, there I, there is a time and place for both, but I think that what you're talking about is really immersing yourself in an authentic way into a new place. Right? That's not about um, it's not about resorts, and it's not about um, you know fancy tourist um, opportunities. It's about connection. Yeah, absolutely, and uh, that's what I seek when I'm on the bike. And, and one of the other things I'll add about um, staying all on showers is I always bring a little gift to my host, and it's obviously nothing big, nothing heavy because you were traveling by bike, but I found these hard candies, and they were maple-flavored from a spot in Quebec, and, you know, I think Canada's known for that, especially out east. The maple syrup is uh, very, very popular, and so I would bring a little pin of uh, the Canadian flag, and then a little maple candy to, to leave with the host. And, you know, sometimes they go to work early and then you, you know, pack up your stuff and leave. And I would always leave a little note and a thank you and kind of the contact info, but then also a little treat as well, just as a memento to, to leave them with. And, you know, I think those little bits help. Uh, I know once I hosted that couple from France, they ended up sending me a postcard that had, uh, it was a hand-drawn postcard of their artist with their journey through Kamloops, kind of noting all the different, um, you know, the Rocky Mountains and then the Vancouver and then coming to the interior when it was dry and hot in Kamloops. And, you know, you get something like that in the mail and it was a thank you for, you know, staying and I took them on a little hike and um, that's just so neat. It's just so personal and it just kind of furthers the connection you have with their travels. Mm, that's amazing. Thank you, Alex. You know, thank you for being willing to share your story and talk about your experiences. You know, we are, you know, we really appreciate it. Um, and I think that you have touched on so many important points, which is part of the reason why we started this podcast was to really share experiences like yours, because everybody's is going to be a little bit different and their process and their purpose is going to be different. But I think that what we're going to see this common theme, right, is this connection in different parts of the world. Um, so I want to know, like, what's next? What's next? Well, I'll say this. Uh, I just recently had a daughter. She's 22 months old now. And Aww. getting her on, well, she started a little tricycle, you know, that we would just push behind. Now she's uh, got onto one of those little strider bikes, which I think is just an amazing innovation where um, they just balance. There's no pedals. Um, you know, and seeing her love for her bikes and, um, you know, now she's going fast, fast, and she wants to, to go faster and she wants that wind in her face and, and the sun and just being outside and, you know, pass, passing that passion down to your, to your kids and that next generation for my love of cycling is, has been just as enjoyable as going on those bike trips. And so we recently got a chariot uh, that hooks up to our touring bikes and we started doing little day trips around our place. Uh, you know, just working around map schedules and snack time. And, um, but it's, uh, it's opened up a whole new world of bike touring for my wife and I, and, and we toured together and we did so on our honeymoon in Spain, but um, we're starting to think about, uh, you know, another six month leave down the road when she's old enough and, and uh, including her in a bike tour next. And, and that's just the, the next evolution and the next stage in, in cycling in my life. 
I love it. Well, again, Alex, thank you for sharing and and good luck, you know, teaching your daughter to enjoy this passion like you do. I think that that is so super important and there is nothing quite like the wind in your face and that's <laughs> that's all it can be experienced, right? It's hard to explain, especially to a young one. So, well, we appreciate you for joining the show and for those of you listening, thank you for joining us and spending some time hearing about another one of our special warm showers stories and we will be back with you soon. This Bike Life podcast was brought to you by BikeFlights.com, a bicycle shipping service for cyclists. We all look forward to the time when we're able to resume welcoming fellow cyclists into our homes and shipping bikes for travel. In the meantime, while we're all staying home, why not do some decluttering and sell your extra bikes, trainers, wheels, and gear online? Then use BikeFlights.com to ship them to their new owners. So stay safe and arrange for pickup directly from your house. Find out more by visiting bikeflights.com forward slash warm showers for more information. Thank you for joining us and we hope you enjoyed the show as much as we enjoyed making it. Don't forget to download the Himalaya app and follow us or wherever you are listening. Please leave us a rating and a review as it helps us reach more cyclists and hosts around the world. Visit us at warmshowers.org to become a part of our community or on Instagram at warmshowers underscore org. If you would like to be a guest on the show or submit a question, please make sure to email us at podcast at warmshowers.org.